Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's an exciting time of the year to play video games with your friends, and without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie, for the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot. Try a parlay, for instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week. Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, Get paid, my bookie. What is good in the hood? Today is Wednesday, March 18th, 2020, day seven of absolute mass hysteria, man, with everything being shut down due to this coronavirus. But fortunately, there's a lot of stuff to talk about new music, new sports news. We've got more interviews on tap to keep you occupied. We're talking TB to TB, Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers signed Tom Brady to what I'm assuming is going to be, it's not official yet, but what I'm assuming is going to be a three year deal worth around $30 million per year. Has a chance to make history at age 43. We'll talk a little TB12. The Killers, they just dropped their new single, Caution, available on iTunes now. Probably the best song they've came out with since probably the 04 album, uh, Hot Fuss with Mr. Brightside, all these things that I've done, Somebody Told Me, you name it. I think it's that good, but hey... It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you think. So we'll talk some killers on episode 172. We've got two more flashback interviews for you to remind everyone what it was like when sports weren't suspended. Chicago White Sox pitching prospects Kyle Kubot and Zach Thompson talking a little nonsense with me for a little bit today as well. So let's get it rolling, shall we? Episode 172 presented by Belly Up Sports. Be sure to follow Belly Up Sports on Twitter at, you guessed it, Belly Up Sports. This episode of the O Show is also sponsored by TickPick. Use the promo code OSHO20, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-20, for $20 off your next order over at TickPick.com. And if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, head on over to MechaNutritionStore.com right now. Use the promo code OSHO10, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10, for $10 off your next order. 171, coming in hot. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was one of those guys who was saying it was all bark and no bite. You know what I'm saying? But Tom Brady left New England. Tom Brady, the only NFL quarterback with six Super Bowl rings, is heading to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Longtime New England Patriot quarterback agreed in principle. It's not official yet, but he has agreed in principle to a deal with the Buccaneers um, ending months of speculation yesterday on Tuesday with the final flurry of activity. And in the morning, he actually posted statements on social media, on Instagram and on his Twitter saying that it was time to start a new chapter in his career and that his time in New England was officially over. He thanked the organization. He thanked the fans. He thanked Robert Kraft. And by the afternoon, 
um, mid-chatter from the Los Angeles Chargers that they still might be in play. It was clear that he was headed for Tampa, and multiple sources confirmed to uh, the Times that uh, he was going to sign today with the Buccaneers when the free agency period began at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And in that Instagram post, Tom Brady, again, 42 years old, now going to play for the next three years, thanked his teammates. He thanked uh, Coach Bill Belichick. He thanked his assistants. Thanked uh, Pat's owner, Robert Kraft, and his family. He said, I want to thank you for the past 20 years of my life and the daily commitment to winning and creating a winning culture built on great values. He said, I am grateful for all of you that you have taught me. And this is what he said on his Twitter. He said, to all my teammates, coaches, executives, and staff, Coach Belichick, uh, RKK, and the Kraft family, and the entire organization, I want to say thank you for the past 20 years of my life and the daily commitment to winning and creating a winning culture Built on those great values, I am grateful for all that you have taught me. I have learned from everyone. You all have allowed me to maximize my potential, and that is all a player can ever hope for. Everything we can accomplish brings me great joy, uh, uh, and the, the lessons I have learned will carry on with me forever. I couldn't be the man I am today without the relationships you have allowed me to build with you. I've benefited from all that you have given me. I cherish every opportunity I had to be a part of our team, and I love you all for that. Our team has always set a great standard in pro sports, and I know it will continue to do just that. And his caption actually read, forever a patriot, which is not true because you are now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, my my uh, my, uh, my pariah. And uh, he was a sixth-round selection. In the 2000 draft, of course, Brady is the first quarterback and fourth player overall to play 20-plus seasons with one franchise and an 18-year captain. He led the Patriots, of course, to, I think it was 17 playoff appearances, uh, nine Super Bowl appearances, nine AFC titles, six rings, six Super Bowl wins, uh, was named Super Bowl MVP four of those six wins for four of those six times. Tom Brady is now headed to the Bucks to play for Bruce Arians as the head coach who has... Uh, both quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen and offensive consultant, you could say, Tom Moore, on his staff. And all three have coached future Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, who similarly changed franchise late in his career from uh, Indianapolis Colts to the Denver Broncos, reached two Super Bowls with the Broncos. He won one at the end of his career's final year. And by all accounts here in his past behavior, Tom Brady's decision did not hinge on money. I mean, the indications are uh, that he wanted to be as close as possible to his wife, who uh, Giselle, of course, a supermodel wife who makes more money than him, but I digress, uh, and his family in New York and wanted the chance to win. I mean, even with Drew Brees lurking in New Orleans, the NFC South is way more winnable for the Buccaneers than the AFC West is for the Chargers, who were winless in their division last season. And Tampa Bay finished, what was it, 7-9 and nine last year with uh, James Winston at the helm compiling 33 touchdown passes and an nfl high 30 interceptions that ain't gonna win you the division my i don't think so uh as the as, as the offensive line goes though tampa bay is pretty decent with its only pressing need you could say is that right tackle i mean the buccaneers have the 14th overall pick in this year's draft and enough salary space where they can maneuver even after signing tom brady i mean they need a, a, a pass catching running back which they could probably pick up in the draft or free agency and then the receiving tandem of mike evans and chris godwin 
far exceeds anything that Tom Brady has had in New England, dating even back to the Randy Moss era. And Tampa Bay, of course, has a star-studded defense that doesn't always play up to its capabilities, you could say. But they do have the potential to be consistently outstanding at times. I mean, it, it might have been enticing to Tom Brady that the free-willing Bruce Arians is like kind of like the uh, 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 the opposite of Bill Belichick, who is wound way tighter than pinpoint spiral. And and the Buccaneers have gone now 12 years without making the playoffs. But Tom Brady is probably going to be the first quarterback to win a Super Bowl on his home field. As of course the game is going to be played in Tampa Bay next February at Raymond James Stadium. And the Chargers and the Raiders, who were both in in the Brady Derby at one point in time, coincidentally, uh, the Buccaneers are going to play both those teams this season. So they'll face the Chargers in Tampa Bay and the Raiders in Las Vegas at their new stadium, a game that will pit the offensive wits of Tom Brady and uh, Raiders head coach John Gruden. So those two occupy a, a place in NFL history on either side of you know the tuck rule game, which was a bitter playoff defeat by Gruden's Raiders and a, a seminal moment in the rise of the Patriots dynasty way back when. And some Tampa Bay fans, of course, won't exhale until Tom Brady's uh, deal is signed, sealed, and delivered, no pun intended. But uh, no, no franchise has been left at the altar by stars more than the Buccaneers. And that goes for both coaches and players who came oh so close to donning the uh, throwback orange and white before their resolve melted like a a creamsicle in the sun. Because Bo Jackson, I think, uh, he was drafted number one overall by the Buccaneers in 86, but then he refused to play for them after a a flight to their headquarters cost him his college baseball eligibility. So that sucked. And then Green Bay came uh, so close to trading Brett Favre to the Buccaneers, it uh, it led to one of those embarrassing, you know, quote-unquote, Dewey defeats Truman headlines in in a Florida paper that was uh, sure the Packers uh, great was on the way. So Steve uh, Spurrier almost coached Tampa Bay as well. So did Jimmy Johnson, Steve Mariucci, Chip Kelly, Bill Parcells twice. Bill Parcells almost coached them twice. So for Arden and seasoned uh, Buccaneers backers, you could say, while others got caught up in the Brady hysteria, I mean, Buccaneers' uh, enthusiasm was tempered by their history. It's, it's not a done deal until it's done, but it's looking pretty good. Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see again, looking to make history at 43 years old. No team has ever hosted the Super Bowl on their home turf. Tom Brady looking to be the first. How Freaking wicked awesome would it be if we saw Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots at Super Bowl 55. It's enticing. It's something to think about. With that being said, let's get to our first interview of the day. Let's talk to, let's see, who do I want to go with first? Let's go with Zach Thompson first. Zach Thompson, right-handed pitching prospect in the Chicago White Sox organization. Got a chance to talk to him in Charlotte over the summer with the Charlotte Knights. We're talking Knights with both Kyle Kubot and Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson, uh, quite an interesting guy. Went on a GOMAD diet, gained over 50 pounds of muscle, 6'7", 220. He used to be 6'7", uh, 170, which is like paper thin, probably could blow in the wind. Uh, and uh, he likes uh, hospitalization uh, operation surveys, which is interesting. We'll let him talk more about that, though, here with Zach Thompson here on episode 172 of The O Show, presented by... Tick pick, and let's hear from that very sponsor, Tick Pick. I am so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's only going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with you. Should have used Tick Pick. 
Zach Thompson. I want to kick things off just by saying they didn't tell me how tall you were. <laughs> Came up, I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, that guy stands out. 6'7", 6'8", 6'7". Do you have brothers and sisters? Or you just... Yeah, brother and sister. Uh, they're both not as tall as me, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Like... One is uh, 28, and then my sister is 15. All over 6 feet, though? Six two, my sister is five nine. So what happened with you? Mutation, man. <laughs> no one in my family or extended family is that tall, so I don't know what happened. Oh my god. So what year were you drafted? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen, everybody's got a draft story. What's Zach Thompson's draft story? Uh went to college in Texas Arlington. Um and then got drafted in the fifth round. Um, just an amazing experience. I mean hard work and dedication and Blessings from God. Man. What were you doing at the time? Just like on the couch watching TV? Uh, no, we were watching the draft. Okay. Uh, yeah. And we kind of had an idea. My agent had been talking to teams, and then they, he was like, hey, you might be picked here. And yeah. I was like, all right, so we're watching the TV, and you know, the, I think it's the 138th selection. Oh, yeah. And that was really cool. Yeah. One of the greatest days of your life? Yeah. Besides getting married. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Second best day yeah, of your life. There we go. Yeah, happy wife equals happy life. Yep. I'd say second best day of your life. So what's the whole story about you uh, becoming a relief pitcher? You started out in the organization and yeah. basically your whole pro career as a starter. Struggled early on in your uh, career with the White Sox organization. Tell me a little bit about how tough it was at first, aligning into being a guy in the bullpen and what, what it's like now. Um, it's a different routine. You know, you go from a starter, you're throwing every five days, you kind of have your quirks and things that you like to do. Um, but shifting over to the bullpen, it was just odd trying to find a routine, trying to find that, like, you don't know what you throw, you're, you're constantly shifting. Um, so the difficulty was just consistency. Um, once the consistency and the comfortableness, ability or whatever the word is, right. <laughs> uh, finally came to it, it was, it started to get a lot easier for me. And is that when you kind of felt like things started to click for you? Like, I know Christianity plays a big factor yeah. in your life. When did you think that things started to click for you mentally? The end of 2017. Okay. Like, that was the year that I shifted to the bullpen. Yeah. And it was the very end. It was, like, my last two outings. Uh, the manager at the time really started to trust me. That kind of put confidence in myself. Like, oh, I may be able to do this. And then went to spring, everything was... So everybody says you're a gentle giant off the field, and on the mound it's a completely different story. So how are you able to just shift emotions on and off the field? Um, you know, honestly, something my dad taught me as a kid. Um, he always said that when you're between those white lines in the field, you're his and you're the game's. Right. So when you're out there, you're an animal. You compete, you go for the kill, you don't care. When you're off the lines and you're off the field, be the gentlest guy you ever want to be. <laughs> right. Be a super nice, humble human being. But when you're out there, it's a killer mentality. And you can just flip the switch whenever you want. Yeah. Like with, with me, like when I go to the gym, I want that killer, like instinct mentality. It's just like sometimes it doesn't come out. Like as soon as you're on that mound, you're just in like, term, like Terminator mode. For the most part, yeah. Usually it's shifted for me from the lines to once I'm on the mound. Usually before I face a batter, I'll either give him a nod or I'll tip my cap. Like I'm like getting something from my hat. I'm just like tipping it. Like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> like let's compete. Once I've done that, there's no friendliness. Just go to your alter ego. Yeah. Zach Thompson's alter ego. If you had an alter ego, what would your name be? On the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
to be comical, I'm gonna say Bruce. <laughs> you don't want to mess with Bruce on the ground, man. <laughs> so, Double A Birmingham, you actually played for Omar Vizquel. Yeah. You said he's one of your childhood heroes growing yeah. up. What was that experience, and what type of advice did he give you? Uh, I mean, I don't think he necessarily gave me any advice. So I had him in high and yeah. double A for a couple games this year. It wasn't really any advice. It was just how he played, how he coached, and how he wanted you to play the game. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It, it wasn't like stressful and you know like oh you made an error and you know, just, we're gonna beat you down and you made an error. It was he's out there fielding ground balls with yeah. us, you know, like he's joking around and messing around. And I think just the mentality of how you play and how you go about things that's what we taught him the most. And do you have any other uh, childhood heroes or any guys you look up to and admire in the big leagues right now? Big leagues right now. Uh, it could be always, anybody. I've always admired Justin Verlander. Okay. I like how he competes. And people say I look like him. I could see it. I, I don't know. I've had several umpires and coaches and people tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think about it. Jim Tony was a big one. Oh, yeah. And as sure. here, like, first spring, he came up and talked to me. I was like, oh, smoke. Like, I was imitating your swing as a kid, watching <laughs> you, and you're sitting here, like, smiling, having a conversation with you. Now, is it just casual conversation? What do you say to a guy like that, someone you've admired your entire life? You try to actually talk and not Just be cool, Sam. Yeah. Just be cool. Yeah. That's the first thing I said. Like, I saw him the first time. I was like, Ooh, oh, gosh, this is Jim Tomey. Thinking, like, who is this? But just try to keep it cool and not sweat as much. Now, did you have a team growing up? Texas Rangers. Texas. So where'd you grow up? Fort Worth. Fort Worth, Texas. I have family in Dallas, so oh, right really? there, yeah. Uh, that and McKinney. Okay. So growing up, Rangers fan. I feel like a lot of people either A, are diehard fans growing up, players who are actually go through the ranks and make it to the pros, and a lot of people just say they don't have a team. It's just, yeah. it's, but you had a team. I had a team. Is that like the Pudge Rodriguez days and the Michael okay. Young? Yeah, Michael Young, Pudge Rodriguez, Hank Blaylock, Rusty Greer. Hank Blaylock. I, I totally forget that name. That was that was one of my guys, man. I loved watching him swing. And then him and Chipper Jones, but he wasn't the Rangers uh, guy, but I just loved their swings. Now, you're a big guy, 6'7", like you said. Do you eat on a regular basis, like once an hour, once Pretty every much. two hours? Yeah. What do you eat? Anything. Like, literally anything like, I get my hands on. Like McDonald's, if it was yeah. there? Like, what kind of spread do you guys have in the clubhouse? Uh, day. I mean, usually we have sandwiches pre-game, and we'll have some type of meat, like brisket, steak, chicken, pork chops, something post-game. I'll get my share of stuff, and if everyone else has gotten their share of things, yeah. then I'll get another share and make sure I, I eat enough for my fill. Now, were you always a big guy, or was it just like one year, like you grew like an entire foot? Yeah, pretty much. Just a giant growth spurt? I mean, I've, yeah, I've always been tall. It was like between my eighth grade year and my freshman year of high school. Yeah, so junior high to high school. I grew like six inches over a summer. It wasn't even like a year or two years. It was like quite literally like three months. Um, but I was always in this Tuesday until I got here. I think it was my second year of being in the organization. I put on wow. like 30 pounds. And that's when I started actually filling out instead of just being lanky. So you actually fit in with the rest of your family growing up? Until you kind of just hit your nose for yeah, yeah, just typical Thompson and the Thompson clan, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're six, seven. Pretty much. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now, is there like a diet plan that you go on? 
Uh, I did. Just start when you're trying to bulk up and when you're trying to even out. Yeah, I did. Um, when I initially put on my weight, I was like 180 pounds. Okay. Six, seven. So, I mean, like, the wind blew. Right, and I was, yeah. I was on the ground. Um, <laughs> so, I was, I was drinking a gallon of milk a day, which is 2,400 calories. Yeah. Eating 5,000 calories on top of that. 7,400 calories a day. Um, and then put on the weight from that. And then now it's season it's anything I get my hands on and the off season it, it all just depends on just what I'm trying to do. Gallon of milk they have a name for that, right? It's a the, the go mad diet. Go-mad diet. Yeah. I, hey. I, I did that for like a year and nothing happened. Really? I, I probably went from like one sixty five to one seventy. Really? And then probably lost it the next day. You had to squat. That was the thing. Really? Like you had to do that and be like squatting three times a week. So that you're Ooh. taking those calories and you're actually like putting it in the muscle. I might have to do that next time. I think I wasted my calorie intake last time. There's no surplus after that. A lot that. of milk for no <laughs> So last question before I let you go. I was doing a little research online. I hear you're very intrigued just by watching a ton of surgeries. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Why and, like, what's your favorite type of surgery to watch? Like, I feel like most pitchers who get surgeries, even players who, like, tear their ACLs, like, sign into a base, they don't want to watch that stuff. I don't like watching the actual injury happen. So someone no. breaking their leg or whatever, I don't like it. No, that. that's neat. But after the fact, I don't mind. Um, it started when I was in college. Um, I went to school to be a doctor. So okay. pre-med stuff, undergrad. Um, and then I shadowed in the emergency rooms in the off-season. And I don't know. I just, I'm just fascinated with watching. I love trauma. I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon yeah. for the longest time. So they just, like, conditioned you into conditioned watching that stuff. Yeah. So now I don't watch anything. I, I don't know. Anything I get my hands on. Not hands on, I guess, but like anything I can watch surgery-wise, I like watching it. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, what's different about you? Like, I like to watch surgeries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So what's the plan right now? What do you do um, going into a game to prepare? Um... I honestly try to keep my mind off of it the most I can. I'm such a, it sounds weird, but I'm such an intellectual person. I like to yeah. think things out so strictly that it hurts me. So, going into a game, I can't think. I usually sit on my phone. I listen to music. Uh, I'll play ping pong. Yeah, yeah. Like, watch a movie or something. I come out here. Um, I don't really do much until about the third or fourth inning. And then I start moving around. I'll stretch. Throw some balls into the wall, just right, get my arms yeah. loose, stretch my legs. Um, that's the immediate thing, but I don't think about anything before the game. Now, when you're on the bus, this is the real last question for you. So, like, I've been asking a few of you guys, when you guys are on bus rides and on long road trips, are you the type of guy that, like, sits back, watches Netflix, just chills out, or are you the type of guy that's screwing around with your friends? I'm a Netflix guy. Yeah, there you go. What are you watching right now? Chuck. What's Chuck? It's, uh... It's an interesting show. It's like an NBC comedy thing about a nerd who gets some type of CIA like stuff into his head, and so he becomes a CIA agent. And he can like do all this stuff. It's kind of weird, but I watched like the first two seasons and then realized I like, committed to it. Kind of like Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, That's what kind of yeah. sounds like. It's just more. Of, it's a comedy, so there's like nothing serious about it. But I don't know. I, once I commit to something, I have to like go all the way through with it. Right. So I've watched two seasons. There's five, and so I have to like commit and just finish it out. <laughs> I am so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's only gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should have used tickets. <laughs>
Thanks again, Zach Thompson. I still cannot believe that he's into that kind of stuff with the with the, the hospitals. I mean, really throwing caution to the wind. And speaking of caution, great segue. Uh, the post, the killers are playing it safe uh, during this coronavirus season, uh, releasing their infectious caution, uh, their new single. And if there's still a world uh, after 2020, if, if if it doesn't end before 2020, the best case scenario is that we look back on this week as the peak of, of course, coronavirus mania, but also the same week that the Killers chose to release a single whose chorus repeatedly uh, says, I'm throwing caution at a time when people are legitimately going to the gym in surgical masks. So that happened. And, uh, of course, long ago, Brandon Flowers, lead singer of the Killers, proved himself an expert winner of bets involving the ability to make a hit song out of words that barely function as reality, like riding on the back of a hurricane. Do you want to feel my bones? And even most famously... Are we human or are we dancer? You know, are we human? And then that's why he's a rock star. That's why I'm not. And un- undeteriorated by normal constraints of language or physics or anything that would get in the way of whatever tidal wave, his inevitably massive hook and bombastic, you could say, like it was kind of like 80 Springsteen indebted uh, arrangement is riding. So, so yeah, his probably political forthcoming album, which is going to be imploding the mirage uh, and coronavirus timed first single is about uh, dispensing with caution altogether. And of course, Brennan flowers excels at uh, artifice, fake, fake the news until you make it basically. And of course, caution isn't actually political. It's not even all that Springsteen. I mean, the soft focus uh, base here and flat four uh, drive, put it more in the line with kind of like Brian Adams, summer of 69, or even Don Henley's boys of summer uh, with lyrics that only could have come from our generation's most outsized glam rocker. He said, let me introduce you uh, to the featherweight queen. That's the first line in the song. That's how it opens, referencing uh, Paul Simon in passing. Never had a, had a diamond on the sole of her shoes. And then, of course, hitting uh, pay dirt with she can go straight from zero to the 4th of July. Kind of utter nonsense. Like, she uh, she got Hollywood eyes, but she can't shoot what she sees. That's a top-shelf uh, surrealist swagger like peak uh, Steven Tyler, you could say, or even John Lennon's Come Together. I mean, in fact here, the, the most political line in the song may be the simple Vegas-raised analysis, uh, Mama was a dancer and that's all that she knew because uh, when you live in the desert, that's what pretty girls do. And uh, just about every artist here who's vowed through the song uh, Get Out of This Town or Burn It Down or both uh, from John Mellencamp to uh, Gin Blossoms to Flowers, many 80s faves. There's so much rock and roll dedicated to settling a score with one's birthplace, and yet you can take the killers out of Vegas or Vegas out of the killers. I mean, did I mention the killers? I mean, you love them, you love Caution, which uh, ticks every box uh, on the Yup, It's Them checklist, and the belt-like No Tomorrow chorus, the can synth strings, and the enormous drums. I mean, the best moment in this song, I mean, the one true surprise of Caution is like the one full effing minute of guitar soloing that goes on towards the end. I mean, that's that's former 
uh, was it Lindsey Buckingham behind the strings, Fleetwood Mac. And while the most of while most of it's chopped into the radio edit, um, here's hoping this assist is the first step in getting purely triumphant shredding back on rock or even pop radio. At the very least, it's a nice reminder of what uh, the Mac's missing these days. I mean, where to go from here? I mean, every Killers fan should already have a healthy to sizable appreciation for you know the likes of david bowie and bruce springsteen and definitely a working uh, understanding of duran duran's hits so maybe it's time to brush off brian adams reckless or even john mellencamp's uh, the lonesome uh, jubilee to really dig into the history uh, of their versions of the of the big dogs and it's not necessarily a given that their American fan base knows Pet Shop Boys, virtually perfect, uh, disc, uh, the, the the complete singles collection or Scritty Politi's uh, masterpiece Cupid and Psych in 85 front to back. So maybe they can deepen their synth appreciation. I don't know. I mean, what was the other? Uh, uh, who else uh, contributed? I know it was Lindsey Buckingham, uh, Wise Blood, uh, uh, The War on Drugs, from The War on Drugs, uh, uh, Adam Granduchiel, uh, I know Blake Mills, maybe Lucius, I don't know. Uh, I know those guys were in, the, this album comes out on May 29th. Again, it's their first LP in two, was it two, three years? I know uh, The Man, the single came out in 2017. So this is going to be uh, their first thing in a while. I know, I know in 2019, The Killers uh, uh, released a Spike Lee-directed video for the one-off single, Land of the Free, but I, again, I think this is probably their best song since that 04 album, Hot Fuss, when they released Mr. Brightside. But we'll see. Again, caution available on iTunes, Spotify, you name it. iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your music, man. That's where they are, the killers. Caution. With that being said, let's get to our second interview of the day. Uh, Kyle Kubot former University of Nebraska native, Omaha, Nebraska native. Uh, let's talk to Kyle Kubat after this quick word from TickPick. told me that they asked you for that you'd do an interview you said is it a supermodel mm-hmm. you, you came pretty damn close i mean you do look like sunshine from remember the time <laughs> so i mean i'll, I'll okay. give it to you okay so the, the first question i wanted to ask you i uh, did a little research found uh, the antics of kyle kubat right. online right. nebraska so you don't come through the traditional route you don't go through the dugout and up the stairs when you go out to the mound you actually climb over the guardrails are you ever afraid of getting hurt that way like what what made you do that pictures are athletes so I had a no just hitter like going, and out? I just had to keep doing it. So did you throw the no hitter? No, I did, and I gave it up in like the seventh. That's okay. That is okay. Four years at Nebraska. You grew up in Omaha, right? Correct. Three thirteen ERA in college. What made you so successful in college? Uh, throwing strikes, getting ahead, mixing. I only had basically two pitches, fastball, changeup. So um, in order to be successful, you just got to get ahead, pound the zone, in, up, down, mix speeds, and 
you know, learn how to pitch. You know, it's a long season. Yeah. Keep it light, keep it fun. Don't have to practice for a day, and we just had fun as a team. You ever been to the Omaha World Series? Absolutely. My parents have had tickets for 30-plus years when they were $2. That's nice. Absolutely. You've seen the Omaha World Series. Did you have a team growing up, MLB team? Uh, I did. Um, I like the Yankees. My guy. Derek Big Yankee guys. Derek Jeter was my favorite player growing okay. up. Um, I have a, another story with that. Uh, I think I was nine, and they were in Kansas City, Yankees were. And a buddy of mine, we weave our way up to the bus. Yeah. Very front row. And... I gave Roger Clemens' autograph that night. That's a good one. That's a good one, right? And Clemens and Jeter are the only two that come back out and sign for a few autographs. Really? Yep. What year was this? Uh, I was nine. So it was 15 years ago. Didn't happen in the later years. I'll no, tell you it was that. 15 years ago. And uh, this is me. Yeah. Derek Jeter started signing with the person to my right, and he went the All other way. The way so I was I've literally within reaching grasp of my idol, and I didn't get his autograph, but it's a funny story, being in professional baseball, you never know who I run into, or if something happens where oh, I run man. into Derek Jeter, and, you know, I tell him that story, and hopefully oh, yeah. he, he gets to sign me with baseball then and there, but just, just a fun little story as a kid growing up, I was that close to my idol. That happened to me uh, last year with Mike Trout, he was signing everybody's ball, and there I am, just waiting, it's like, up here, to the left, to the right, diagonal, and he just leaves, alright, thanks guys. Doesn't give you a good feeling. So you, you signed with um, the Royals 2015 out of Nebraska. Correct. Come over to the White Sox organization 2017. Mm-hmm. Worked your way up the ladder in the system. What do you think has made you so successful moving up the ladder in this organization? Because you've been pretty good. Being consistent yeah. with my work day in and day out. Um, I know what I'm up against. You know, I mean, I'm not the top rounder. I'm, right. The media is obviously not going to be... Googling over me like I'm like here, like, a, like a Robert type thing. Yeah. It's fun to walk around with Robert where everyone's you know <laughs> all around him. But I stick to my game plan. I stick to what I do best. I'm not going to try and be someone I'm not. And that goes back to the philosophy or stat had at Nebraska. Go go pitch. Go do what I do best. Mix speeds in and out. Compete and have fun. Now I talked to Zach Thompson on Thursday. And we were talking about how he has a mentality on the field and a completely different mentality off the field, like a gentle giant, some would call him, off the field. And then he's on the mound, he's like Terminator mode, becomes an instant serial killer. I asked him to give give me an alter ego name, he's like, uh, Bruce. So do you have an on and off switch when you're on the mound as compared to when you're in the dugout just hanging around with teammates? Yeah, I do have a different mentality. The days I pitch, I'm a little more locked in. Um, a little more serious, but not too serious. Right. It's still baseball. I've come to realize that now being it's a, a starter. Um, you got a bad start. You got to sit a little bit five days, and then you got to go back out there and do it again. You have a good start. You don't get too high. Just keep with your work. Go back out there. Repeat your stuff. Um, being able to not ride the roller coaster of emotions in this game right. is very, yeah. very critical to lasting a long time and lasting a season. Um you know, we're at a point, it's almost August. We've been, oh, yeah. been pitching since February. Um, <laughs> I've had some good outings. I've had some great ones. I've had some innings where I wish I could erase from my memory. Right. But you know what? That's baseball. It is what it is. I've been playing this game for however many years since I've been six, five. I'm not going to remember everything. Right. But remember the good times, and you kind of forget the bad and learn from them. Only lessons learned. 
So you mentioned the grind. I'm very uh, curious as to what players do, like on road trips, on long bus trips. Are you the type of guy that will sit back, watch Netflix, take a nap, listen to podcasts, music? Are you the type of guy that screws around with teammates, plays cards, do whatever? Usually we're on the bus at about 9 in the morning, so yeah. I'm kind of tired right, still. Yeah. So I'll take my take my nap, I'll listen to music, watch, a, watch some Netflix, and I'll just hang out. Not really a big run around the bus kind of guy. I'll just sit there and do my own thing. I respect that. What, uh, what show are you watching on Netflix right now? I'm a big um, crime guy, so right yeah. now I'm finishing NCIS Los Angeles. It's a good one. Um, CSI, Hawaii Five-0. Big nerd, Big Bang Theory guy. Love kinda, Big Bang Theory. It's over. Sad yeah, that it's over. I haven't watched like the last three seasons. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. I know. I, yeah. I watch it with my mom, so I'm saving it for when I get back home. We watch it on DVD together. <laughs> um, yeah, just big crime guy. So, do you have an idol or a mentor you grew up watching the game of baseball? Whether it was your dad, your grandfather, a pro baseball player. Do you have anybody that you looked up to in the game and that you aspired to be? Um, Derek Jeter, obviously, yeah, he was my idol. Obviously, he wasn't a pitcher. No. Um, but I enjoyed watching guys like Greg Maddox. Um, who else? Tom Glavin, Randy Johnson. You know, the guys that people may not know this era. Understanding that. I don't have to go out there and throw 95, which, oh, which yeah. this day and age, it's, you know, everyone wants to see velocity, but you got to understand, guys that throw 88, 89, 90 oh, still go out there and compete, and it's, it's fun to do, it goes back to not being someone I'm not. Right. So, to go out there and, you know, kind of emulate their game, what they do, watch how they pitch, and try and do it out there. It was fun to watch guys like that. Absolutely. And if you could go back in time, I asked Zach this the other day, many great rivalries in the game of baseball. You had the Yankees and the Red Sox, 03-04. Nobody could forget that, especially us Yankee fans. Mm-hmm. Cubs, Cardinals, uh, any day back in the day, the Pete Rose era, the Big Red Machine. If you could go back in any era, any time, any sport really, just for a moment or just for a rivalry, whatever it is, if you can go back in time, which time would you go back and pick? I'm going to switch sports on you. I want okay. to go back to the Laker days. Yeah. With Kobe, Shaq. I remember, who's the lefty? Derek Fisher? Lefty yep. shooter. I remember Fish. he hit a game-winning three at the top of the key. Someone batted the ball out. Rebound. In step. I think it was against the Spurs. Yeah. I think. Drains it. Right at the top of the key to win it. Um, I think being in that organization around that time the Lakers would have been pretty cool to be a fly on the wall. Well, that's interesting you say that. I actually have a question for you. Mount Rushmore of sports. Well, do you uh, Mount Rushmore of NBA? So, oh, oh. for me, for me, I got MJ, of course. I have Bill Russell. He's got 10 rings. And then I got LeBron and Kobe. I gotta go Kobe and MJ. Um, man. Killing me here with these. I don't know. I got two on my Rushmore right now. There's a lot of good players. Um, I have to go Larry Bird too. Larry Bird. Um, one more. 
Were you a Lakers fan? Just an NBA fan, like just an players. NBA, yeah, yeah just like you're a player guy. Um, you know, it's sports, so just put it on TV and just have the noise in the background. I don't know if I can give you a fourth one. Maybe it'll <laughs> pop in my head at the end of the interview here. Awesome. And the last thing before I let you go, you mentioned the grind all season long. You guys have been pitching since February. What's the diet? Like, what do you guys, like, when you're done with this interview right now, what are you, you going to go back there, eat and catering? Like, what do you guys got? Well, I got a workout, so I'm probably just going to pop some C4 pre-workout. Okay. Chug some water. I'll get you going for sure. Um, Hopefully we got some chicken and pasta in there. Um, As a nutrition um, degree, you know, I should be eating a little bit better, but sometimes I got to cheat a little bit. Actually, I kind of cheat a lot during the season. I mean, you're on the road all the time, you know? It's tough. It's tough. You know, our hotel, we walk right by a Chick-fil-A. So obviously I gotta hit that up right, every yeah. once in a while. That's not good. Plus, I'm a big, big fan of Dr. Pepper. That's not good, Kyle. I, I used to be a big mug root beer guy. Who uh, barks for beer guy? Really? But the quickest way to my heart is probably bring me a bottle of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> not Mr. Pib, Dr. Pepper. There is a difference. There is a difference between the two, and I would know. What's the difference? It's just it just tastes just chemicals. You just know. Okay. You just know the taste difference. Like, if I handed you a Barks root beer instead of a mug root oh, beer, yeah. you, you would Yeah, know. Barks is different for Have, sure. There you go, right there. <laughs> okay. So, when's your next start? I believe I'm starting Tuesday at Norfolk. Okay, and what's the mentality on a pregame? Like, when you're going in, do you have any routine that you got? I saw in that one video back in Nebraska, uh, you're just, like, flailing your arms, Tuesday. golf mentality. Like, what's the what's the game prep? Um, stay loose. Yeah. It's, it's changed over the years, going from bullpen to starter. Come in, get my workout routine, band, stretch, do all my therapy stuff. Come out here about a half hour, say hi to a few fans, yeah. wave to the kids who are all rambunctious, ready for the game. Um, make someone smile, go out there, stretch, play catch, and go out there, do my thing. Not trying to complicate it too much. Absolutely. Have you ever grown your hair out like this? I like you. Have you ever tried? This is the longest my hair has ever been. But I do. The what if you get it cut? But I do the undercut. Well, so do I. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to yeah. start growing it back and grow out the sideburns. I can't grow it on the sides or else it just straight afros it. So and I, do you put highlights? Do you like bleach it? Yeah. That's not. I might do that one day. I was just sitting there in the off season one time. I was like, I wonder what I look like with blonde hair. So I just absolutely. You got to try it. I did. Absolutely. Whatever. Kyle Kubot, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Do you find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecha Nutrition? Mecha Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecca's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecca Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecca Nutrition. 
information. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661-695-9061. I've been using Mecca Nutrition products for over a year and a half now. And for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs, as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at Neil or Neil at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Rumor has it, if you mention Mecca Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.